0: It's 1.37 p.m. Stories of hustle and grind from the intersection of culture, style, music, and sports.
1: All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is 10:01 here in San Diego, California. It is Saturday, December 12th, and I am honored, I am thrilled to be speaking with the incomparable one and only, Mr. Robin Black.
0: Robin, how are you today? Good bro. it's it's uh, nice to see your face. And uh, yeah, man, like I'm in I'm east, so it's the afternoon here. It's like 137 p.m. or something. <laughs> something like that.
1: You know what? God bless you, God bless you. We're we're 10 seconds in and we've already got our first 137 p.m. Yeah. reference. I love that. Wow, well, this is really exciting. I, I must say, I started with 137 p.m. just three weeks ago or so. No way. And as a Mm -hmm. lifelong fight fan speaking with you was high on my priority list because I feel like I have learned so much from your videos over the last two years maybe I feel like I've been watching them and that's definitely something that I try and do is make the fight game digestible for everyday people I I think a lot of times it's a it's a very toxic debate environment Mm -hmm. in the fight game Mm -hmm. and I am so done with that. I'm, I am I want to spread the positivity, open discussions, conversation. And maybe we can teach people a thing or two about the, the beautiful sport of, of combat fighting. So that is why I'm most excited to have
0: you here today. I mean, that's what I love to do, too. You know, I have the same perspective. And I don't think it's fighting. I don't think fight fighting or martial arts or physical combat gets the blame so much as the, the way that sport is presented. You know, you get two talking heads uh, with a producer in your ear, kind of gently pushing you towards having conflicting perspectives, whether they're really yours or not, and arguing them to the death, uh, (laughs) sort of while blocking out all logic to do so. And that's all what I do. So what I'm interested in doing, I don't think that's positive. I don't think that's all that useful. I think it's somewhat entertaining, but I think that's limiting. Uh, I think martial arts, there's so much to learn. And among the things to learn is about how little we know. And so to sit around and just yell at each other about how much we know and how sure we are, this guy's going to win or this guy's going to win. To me, that's counterproductive, counterintuitive, countervaluable to what the study of martial arts can give us. Well, I think when people first
1: start watching or maybe they just watch on the on on a whim maybe perhaps they didn't even know they were going to be watching a lot of times i think i think people see two objects running into each other yeah i think after a few months or a few years and i I think there's a also a barrier where after a year of watching and studying you realize that you know less than you did when you first started perhaps so um it goes though from two objects kind of running into each other or hitting each other into this very beautiful chess game, mm-hmm. and I feel like you're one of the best people at you know showcasing that. So that is why I'm really excited, and I I just feel like I really learn from you a lot. So I'm I'm awfully
0: excited as a journalist. You're the exact kind of person I would wow. I'd well, love to speak you. to. It's interesting because I don't even like the word journalism so much anymore myself. Mm-hmm. You know I'm very much an analyst. Uh, journalism is its own skill. The skill of finding stories, telling stories, doing uh, interviews, over time, Something strange happens there too, where you be a journalist long enough about politics and somebody will bring you on CNN and say, this is our political analyst. That person's not a a political analyst. They're not a politician. They're journalists, that's a skill of its own. Uh, Same thing with mine. I'm a martial artist first, Uh, that's what I do. I'm a practicing martial artist. And if I practice martial arts long enough, I see some of the truths in it. And what's been really great for me, Um, Over the last couple of years is almost everything, the way that we look at at fighting, and I think this is probably true with almost the way we look at everything, it's super limited and it's kind of old. And if you just sort of reject those those things that everybody is saying, the narratives that are already there and just reject those and say, well, what else do I see? There's an unlimited world of shit you can learn. Like, you know, fighting isn't the things that we say it is when we when we watch television. It's, it's something much deeper, much more detail oriented, much more beautiful, much more philosophical, you know, much more about the path of life itself. That's why I like I, fighting to me is the perfect metaphor for life itself.
1: Oh my goodness. Well, from someone who has a journalism background, I can tell you that I very much appreciate what you were just saying about they turn journalists into something else. So can I perhaps get a brief rundown of what your job description mm-hmm. is right now? because yeah. I would I would say that many people probably know you for the one minute breakdown, which w- we can get into it in a yeah. little bit, but currently, what would you say your,
0: job title is i don't have a job which is so amazing and i make pretty good like i think i make i can bring in the kind of earnings of say somebody you know a dentist who owns his own dental practice or or a lawyer who who i mean i do really well but i have no job I analyze martial arts all day long, looking for wonderful details and little inspirations and secrets to the universe, and then I share that with people. The way I get paid is in the process of doing that. That'll bring value to say Bellator was one of my biggest. I think now I don't have any employers, but I have a lot of clients. So Bellator's a client. They're like, this guy analyzes martial arts in a way that's really in line with what our audience likes. Maybe he can bring some of that to us in some way that will value up, be valuable for us, valuable for our clients. Robin will enjoy it and we'll pay him to do that. Um, and I'll do that with 15, 20 different clients. You know, some are digital. Like there's a company called Wave TV or Fight Ar- or Fail Army fail army and people might be familiar, people's pants fall down or they fall off a ladder or whatever, I can analyze that too. It's just human movement, right? So, or, or, or WAVE, which is a really big sports, you know, growing sports company that's super modern and innovative. They'll be like, can you do that thing you do for fights? Uh, but do it your way instead of the old way. So by approaching something and, and finding my own voice in it, and it being s- strictly my voice, uh, people will pay me to bring my voice to stuff. As And I see them as a client. Uh, but all day long, I'm analyzing um, martial arts. I'm building videos for my platforms, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok now, uh, 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 LinkedIn, etc. cetera. Um, and I put no differentiation in my mind between the ones that I'm doing for pleasure and the ones that I'm doing for pleasure and someone gave me money. I I don't prioritize one or the other. I follow strictly a self-directed path of learning. If I'm learning new things and if I'm being inspired in new ways, the audience will appreciate that and I'm on the right path. I'm I'm enriched and I'm intrinsically joyful about it. And when I am, almost always my audience likes it. And uh, it's crazy. Like three years ago, I literally had almost no income. I was working at a company called Fight Network. It was a 24 hour television channel. And they we were building we had built a very big YouTube and, and social media presence for that television channel. And they just didn't understand the value of it. And they cut the entire um, creative department and the entire content creation department in, I think, 2017. Uh, and I, that was my full-time job. And from there, I had about 3,500 Instagram followers. At the time, I got about 140,000 now. I had zero. I had no YouTube channel. I had no nothing. And I was like, I still have to No matter. I wanted to find a job, but I was also like, I need to do the thing I do which is analyze martial arts. If no one's going to pay me yet, I have to do it every day anyway. So I didn't know how to edit. I didn't know how to post. I didn't know how to do anything. I just figured all that out and then started doing it. Then slowly got better and better at it. As I got better and better, the audience grew. When the audience grew and I was better, someone paid me. And three years later now, I make dentist money, (laughs) you know, And, and I just do my own stuff all day long. It's really nice. So looking back on those
1: last three years or so where you've seen this massive change in your life, um, although perhaps the content itself hasn't changed all that much, you're still analyzing martial arts and human movement. Was there a one-minute breakdown that stands out to you perhaps the most where maybe it was the realization of, wow, this is going to be what I'm known for or – Oh, this is a really good yeah. piece of content. I have faith that my audience will enjoy this. Do you have one in particular? Because I, I will say, in the last two months, the Street Steve or
0: uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah is- Karate Neighborhood Seven Karate one minute breakdown. Neighborhood Karate, shirtless Steve versus Street uh, Steve. Shirtless Skip kick, tap it, tap it, blocked. Bing, bing, bing. Five punch combination with a round kick chaser. And now for the Street elegance. Pink? What the fuck? Modified spinning crescent kick to a bevy of punches including, boop, the gin fizz uppercut that stuns shirtless Steve. And now... Yeah. I'm...
1: Robin, I... When I tell you I watched that video no less than 20 times, I am not lying, my yeah. friend. And, uh, I just wonder if there was this particular one from a while back where you said, you know what, it might not get a lot of views now, but I have confidence and
0: faith that this is what I should be doing. So, I... I- I bought an iPad in, within a few months. I didn't have one. And I bought an iPad within a few months of, of you know, that, that uh, change happening at my uh, full-time job where they cut our department. And, I, and literally, I was like, I have to figure out but i was already making breakdowns for that channel. And some for the UFC through you know that we made at that channel, and when I made them, uh, there were, I had an editor, I had a graphics guy who designed graphics, I had uh, a cameraman, a lighting person, a producer in the back. It was a team of like eight people, and we slowly built this. I started analyzing martial arts in the similar way to how I do it now in like 2012 or 2013. There was no such thing. Martial arts analysis was not a thing. MMA analysis, it just didn't exist. Uh, There was one or two people, there was a guy named Jack Slack that did it in a written form that I always liked, Jackson OG. And there was somebody called BJJ Scout, BJJ Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, who did some kind of videos, but I, I, I was familiar with him, and I always respect him as an OG, and my friend Lawrence Kenshin. There was some amount of written analysis, people getting into, hey, this is what this is, how it works, and there was people doing demos, but there was nobody putting arrows, zooming things in. I had to create my own language and my own approach and everything, which is exciting. But I had a team of seven or eight people, and now I'm at home, and I have nothing. I have no idea how to do it, and I bought an iPad, and then somebody sent me a video of something and then I, I figured out how to put my voice on it and then after that i thought you know if i could somehow figure out how to do this myself uh the key to it in my mind as a martial artist was if i do a thousand or two thousand or three thousand or five thousand eventually they'll be good enough that people will like them i'll get better every day i'll learn more it's an inevitability that you will eventually get to a certain point. So I figured, I understood that and I got an iPad and then once i figured out how to voice it, I literally went to YouTube and I Googled how to edit on iMovie. And like a 10 year old girl taught me how to edit my videos. And once I made the first one or two, I realized if I make 1,000 or 4,000 or 7,000, if this is what I do, this is going to be what I do I will, this will work for me. This will be a living and, but more important than that, it'll let me keep growing. And that's the biggest thing. I don't see this like other people. I don't see it like sportscasters. I don't see it like people who commentate the UFC or any of these things. I have my own way. And that's because of the work. The key is the work. Uh, and you just have to figure out how to do the work, but sorry the other um, answer I would say is I did a video of Khabib Nurmagomedov fighting a bear when he was 9 years old I've seen it it's brilliant. Vert to the double leg and now he will look to pass to mount young Habib looking to pass to mount but hey, how about this awesome! The bear with the high rotating underhook and the outside knee tap, classic George St. Pierre takedown, beautifully executed by bear but Habib would get it back here he will scoop from the Elbow and rotate himself all the way around. Now trying to hit that switch with the deep reach in here. Continue the rotation. Bring that leg to his sternum and complete the single leg. Yeah, and that one, all of a sudden, like a million people had watched it, and uh, and like I was like a million. Like my television job, if. <laughs> if 10,000 people watched it, we thought that was good ratings. A million humans watched this. This is the answer. The, the, the answer is get better every single day and then keep bringing it to people. And if it's, eventually you'll be skilled enough, you'll be passionate enough, you'll be good enough, you'll have something to offer and you'll have made enough that they'll find it.
1: I love that video of your breakdown with Khabib and the bear because, and actually Daniel Cormier has said this. He, he explains it to people. You can be, a very good wrestler, you could be a division one sec Oklahoma State yeah, wrestler, yeah. but there's a difference between that and what Habib has done in his yeah. career, and it only comes from a lifetime of training. Yeah, and yeah. I think in that video, your breakdown shows at at we're talking eight, nine, yeah. ten years old, Habib with actual Tactics he's using actual tactics, leverage to take down this bear, and you demonstrate that beautifully. But that's also evidence of that lifetime of
0: wrestling that he explains. So, and there's a number of things there one is the when you're sh- so, my root thing was, look what Khabib has done. Look, he, he's done it from the time he was a child. Two is you got to like allow yourself if you're a creative, if you're an artist to, to let it be more. And I, on one hand, we're just like. That kid's wrestling a bear, so that element has to also be in there. Like, or or you can put it in there at the very least. And then on the other one, what was mind blowing, and this is that sense of what I was learning, the bear was also using tactics, and that element, and that element immediately opens up a whole new line of thinking. And and now you get to study that. You're like, why does a bear? know how to, quote, know how to wrestle. And the answer is a bear doesn't know how to wrestle. A bear learns fundamental principles of leverage through play. That lesson applies to me and you and everybody else in our own learning. You don't have to learn a particular way. Nobody taught that bear the knee tap to the high underarm like, like George St. Pierre uses. And, I, and if I had the footage, I would have literally side by side George St. Pierre doing the exact tactic that that bear did. The truth is that bear learned it through instinct. George St. Pierre learned it through a different manner, but we learn in ways. And all of a sudden now, that's not a video about a kid wrestling a bear. It's not a video about a wrestler. It's not a video on a bear, but bear. it's a video about learning and life. And once you can get yourself, and the only way you get yourself there is the same way Khabib learned to wrestle is you do tens of thousands of them. You do it in such a way that you feel these things in your skin and your blood. There is no substitute for, for ruthless and relentless hard work. Um, the best plan and, and, and editing software and whatever will never be a substitute for relentless hard work. Uh, because once you do that, now you see so many different things in that moment. You mentioned that
1: um, that youthful uh, playfulness in, in the bear. And that's where they learned. They talk about that also, though, in Southeast Asia with Muay Thai a little bit that when they spar or maybe with I believe it's in Cuba as well, that when they spar, it's not intense. It's actually Mm -hmm. very playful. Mm -hmm. And do you think those same elements apply to what's going on in Southeast Asia with their Muay
0: Thai as to what you're talking about with that bear or a lion or any creature in the wild? Yeah. Yes, and I think it applies to us when we're doing whatever we do. We're doing this. Now. We're, doing we're having right now, a little fun. We're we're experimenting. We're not yes. overly intense. We don't have a list of things we have to talk about. We're not trying certain tactics and techniques. We're playing. We're we're jamming. We're improvising. And and uh, yes. So again, if you peel back the layers, um, and and this, you know, I'm this is some some where I'm really really you know, not struggling with, although as you study, there are continual plateaus of understanding you have to break through. Um, I'm at a point now where if we continue to look at things the way we look at with the limiting language that we use, we'll continue to only understand that layer. But when when two people are fighting, we'll use fighting as, as an example, but it applies to what we're doing right now, there is a psychological dynamic happening between our two trained brains. Right. The, our brains are interacting with each other in dynamic ways. If I faint and you respond and that response creates a thing and I see it and now and play allows that more, the more you play the, and, and it's with musicians, it's jamming. Instead of playing only songs, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I've gone in and these things are where the next 20 years of my study and research will go. sometimes, you know, Dwayne Ludwig tells me this a lot. He's like, you know, he's if he's if right now his technique to be sharing is the iPhone 12, he's working on the iPhone 18 and he's ready to put Uh up the iPhone 12 in his mind but the audience maybe isn't ready for it he hasn't done his job to have them prepared to be able to use it and it's the same thing as we're studying this i have to be looking ahead to what will be meaning in all of this in the future and how the brains are working is a big part of it and so we we've studied the brains of jazz soloists to see what's and and um, freestyle rappers to see what's Ooh. happening in that in that layer of creativity, and that's what I try to study and understand and prepare to even do my job to freeform uh, connections to fighting as I'm commentating, and the fighters are doing that as well. And that that's the next layer of understanding, or you know, a few layers in the future of understanding.
1: Well, you just took me directly into my next question more beautifully than I ever could have. So one of the things I wanted to um, look at was. It, from my perspective, when I first started watching uh, Mixed Martial Arts, uh, Nate Diaz was prolific because of his ability to um, choke people out in addition to being a very good boxer. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about you know, 2005, 6, 7, yeah. There was this um, wave of, oh, he can strike and yeah. grapple. Yeah. Then it felt like from 2010 to 2015 – Leg kicks change the game. We yeah. realized, oh my goodness, if you attack that lead leg or that yeah. lead knee over and over, you can win fights this way. Mm-hmm. I feel like the current wave, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is just yeah. kind of a yeah. uh, a hypothesis of mine. Yeah. The current wave right now is the use of the feints from City Kickboxing. I feel yeah. like they use the feints yeah. better than anyone else ever has. I wonder, do you have any... Um, Suspicions about what the next wave could be in MMA. It kind of goes through these cycles.
0: So there's, there's many of them simultaneously. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, and they all make sense to a particular degree because fighting is a living organism. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the art of fighting is a living organism. So in addition, so you're talking about feints to get a reaction. In addition to that, a, a, a weapon you see a lot is people kicking the calf, right? Both of those things are happening because years back, fighting once upon a time in two thousand five, guys would hit each other, and inevitably they would grab, and people would say, "You got to work on takedown defense," because now he's going to think about it. that. Doesn't all that's almost illogical to even say anymore because fighting now takes place at such a longer distance. So we're further away from each other, and we move in and out much more. It sounds crazy, but in 2005, we threw punches until we ran into each other, and then we wrestled. Mm-hmm. Now we move in and out, move in and out. At a longer distance, if you're out at distance for a long time, you're creating all of these different things to try to overload your opponent's brain. So what I'm trying to do with, with feints, and feints is kind of a, a – A word of the moment, but it basically it's an indirect attack or or the implication of something to get a response from you or to get you to freeze. That's the other thing people don't always notice. If I keep faking this, it isn't just to get you to move your hands. It's to eventually get you to disregard it. To say, this isn't even a real thing. Don't worry about it. Your brain now disregards it, doesn't include it in the algorithmic categorization of all the threats. And now I'm doing that, and eventually you stop responding, and then I just punch you. So it has many sort of different – you shrink away or you over-respond, lots of things. But it's happening at a distance because now fighting is taking place at a distance. So the next logical thing – well, and you see this already – is you suddenly see um, – and uh, Jorge Masvidal, who's way out front in, in a lot of things, because he's been doing it for so long, you know, birds fly, fish swim, Jorge Masvidal fights men in cages like this is just what he is. Um, he's blitzing. Or not in cages. Yeah, or or in backyards <laughs> or like yeah. wherever. That's fighting people is what he was put on earth to do. And he's, he's made himself better at it through hard work his whole life. So uh, he blitzes. Um, that uh, Darren Till knocks him out. He comes flying in with the knee, knocks him out. If, if we're all kind of hesitantly, you know, uh, deeply um, uh, deeply processing all this information at distance, it makes us sort of analysis paralysis. And then people just come storming. So blitzing, you, you're starting to see a lot more. You also see a lot of spinning things. And when you see a lot of spinning things that suddenly makes big highlights, one thing I can tell you with certainty is between now and two and a half years from now, there'll be more highlights from people getting knocked out trying spinning things than there will be from people knocking people out doing with their spinning thing. That's a natural reaction. Spinning worked because we were told for so long, don't bother, it's not going to work. If we all believe that in the gym, your training partner never does it. If your training partner never does it, your brain never gets accustomed to, to interpreting it and you're susceptible. Now everybody's doing it. So we're able to see it, a spin, just tiny little details. Like if my shoulder and hip move in such a way that you see even the tiniest shadow behind there, you know I'm spinning. So if that happens, you knock me out. Then we start faking spins, and it's this is all just action, interpretation of action, action, interpretation. The, the calf kick is happening, I was getting at, at that, because if we're fighting at the longest distance, we're gonna use our longest range weapon, which is our foot, to hit yeah. the closest target, which is your calf. Now we did that. We never did that much, but then we started doing it a lot, uh, you know, 6 7 years ago, and we started seeing this this function we weren't aware of which was it hits a nerve, and the nerve kills your ability to move your foot, and you have dead foot. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, my God, people have been doing Muay Thai for 1,500 years. We barely kicked any calves. But now that we've done it a lot, we discovered that there's a trick of the human body where we can make it far more effective than we ever dreamed. But it was through doing it a lot that you see it. And that's what fighting does in general. If you have 100 fights of high level every single weekend, you get to 100 fights more of information. All that information goes into the, organism that is the fight game
1: robin first of all thank you so much because i have enjoyed this like it's not a job at all this is what if i could do anything it would be talking in the manner that we're talking right now um i've taken you for nine minutes longer than i told you i would take you Ah. um if you don't mind can i ask there's about three or four very big upcoming fights in in the coming six weeks Could you perhaps give one detail for the average person to look for cool. in the upcoming fight? So um, we have next weekend, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson uh, is fighting. We also have Canelo Alvarez fighting Callum yeah, Smith cool. next weekend. Cool. And then yeah. we have Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier. Yeah. Cool. We have uh, Ryan Garcia, the the good-looking oh, I love, kid. I love that kid, yeah. Yes, Yeah. Um, who's actually from kind of the neighborhood-ish yeah. area from where I'm from. And uh, there there was one other fight that I just can't recall right now, but we have those four upcoming fights. Could you perhaps give one thing for people to look
0: for in each of those fights if they know nothing about fighting? Yeah, I love this question, too. Um, And I'll, I'll say this first. You know. To, to learn anything in a meaningful way, not just to imitate people who, who appear to be doing the thing, which is, you know, an option you always have, but to do it for your own reason, you have to dispel the typical conversation points. So, and I really appreciate you didn't say, hey, you know, uh, this guy versus this guy, let's break it down. How, you know, how does their striking match up? Those are old narratives. We do them mm-hmm. because we've always done them. We do them because we see people on television wearing suits do them, but they're illogical. This is far more logical, far more interesting, I think. Um, Stephen Thompson, uh, one thing I think to watch is, I mean, how how he moves his feet and how he'll appear to float, you know. Um, When you see all this stuff happening at distance, people using a lot of fakes to create reactions, you know, fighting a, a longer distance, moving in and out. Stephen was a big part of pioneering all of that at least in the context of mma so you watch how he floats and you and i could easily watch the entire night and just look at his feet so i would Uh tell people to do that just watch his feet watch the way that he floats and watch the way that he shifts his weight and don't think of it in terms of of you know this is a punch this is a kick look think of it in terms as one long fluid thing so just the fluidity with which Stephen mm-hmm. Thompson and and how hard that is for somebody else to react to i think that's really interesting i think for canelo alvarez i think what's super interesting is you watch you'll see him respond to something if you're if you watch it in slow motion or you see the replays you'll literally see him respond to something and then it's his reaction time of his brain in the milliseconds he will dismiss it so mm. so if we take a fastball hitter we all understand that that ball just zips by us and we can't see anything. And yet somehow that person can see something different. And it's been broken down to us over years that in fact that their brain is seeing it at a different speed, right? Which is wild, but you can literally train your brain to interpret time, speed, velocity different. And Canelo Alvarez is like a genius example of that. So okay. I, there's there was a moment on one of my breakdowns where Canelo injures his guy and as his guy falls, is starting to fall, the hand kind of wobbles down almost in a way that it looks like he's going to, and you see the slow motion and you see Canelo, who's already hurt his guy, as his guy's hand wobbles down, you see Canelo go to block a punch that isn't a punch. That's his brain's interpretation of what's happening. So, and, and is this the this Sergey is... Kovalev knockout? Yes, yes, yes. And and uh, if somebody were to go on, on Twitter and put in one-minute breakdown, Canelo... Do you mind if I put it in this clip? Do you mind if sure. I put... That would yes. be fantastic. Yeah, Thank If you. you find it, you'll drop it in. And what you'll see, and in the breakdown, I show Canelo literally go to hide his body from a non-punch. The show, you want to see something incredible, my friends? Watch this detail to see how present and connected to the moments Canelo is. He'll land the shot and hide Kovalev. He's aware that he's hurt, but his nervous system is so highly tuned when Kovalev's wobble shakes his left low, Canelo's defense still responds. Watch. They are so special. And then it's Bink City. Beep. Canelo Alvarez with a sensational performance for your DAZN Bink of the night. But that's his brain. And so I know this is maybe, you know, you ask for something that people can, could see that's interesting. What you start to realize is that Camelo is not, he can't possibly be thinking in terms of words right? There's uh, a no okay. words happening in there. There's a brain that is responding to all of the information the same way that a race car driver responds to information. The same way that a fastball hitter does it in moments, but it's happening in long. So, yeah, if you put that piece in, maybe people will see that. It's so, so cool. Garcia, I think, a-, a really interesting thing with him. And I have another breakdown. You might find it. His body was bladed as he attacked. We celebrate a moment like this, but this moment was created in a young life time of preparation in the chaos of combat an artist must act almost without thought so it is the training that creates the moment garcia too and it's garcia is it, it's, you know, his straight right, left hook, and I've, I've made three or four on him, but one of them, I show him doing it, and then I show him training it on the double end bag, and I, and I picture and picture that. And you see him doing it in such a way, again, you start to understand this is a human being changing the neural pr- uh, uh, processing of his own nervous system to be able to do something with zero conscious thought. Afterwards, he's like, "Oh yeah, I hit him with my right, uh, left hook." But at the time, he's feeling, you know, he's moving the way a jazz um, guitarist solo. So the way a, a, you know, again, I, I find freestyle hip hop to be an interesting example of this. Because if you asked the guy before and said, "What are you gonna say?" He's like, "I don't know. I'm just gonna flow." And then after, he'd laugh and, and be like, "Oh shit, did you see what I say?" That's how the young great, uh, a young master like Garcia flows. It's like hip-hop. It's like freestyle rap. Um, And then what was your other one? That oh, Connor Connor. and Poirier. And
1: I guess that one also has the inherent difference of that they've already fought before. And this one is that I had a different weight class. I would suggest both fighters have changed drastically since they lost.
0: Yeah. And, And that, if we said that, I remember saying that three or four years ago in a breakdown where I basically just tried to find a way to explain that concept. It's like we say, Aaron Woodley's got a big right Conor McGregor's got a big left hand. He's got crazy movement. You know, great, brilliant distance management. Uh, uh, Dustin Poirier, Southpaw's got p- great power." We say these things as if they're inherent attributes. We're we're the result of training, learning, change, mm-hmm. growth, trial, error, uh, preparation. None of what I said is true about any of either of those guys. And whenever we do that. Um, You know, and that is the fundamental mechanism through which we'll be asked to do it on television. I'll always try to find a way to make my, you know, partner or whoever I'm working with happy enough, the producer, but also find a way to, to slowly advance that idea that that, that's not true. Connor McGregor isn't the biggest pet left punch in the game. You know, unbelievable. Dis- those are just words. These, thi- these humans have changed so dramatically, so completely. And, the, the, and when, when you reverse engineer whatever the result is after, one of the answers will be one of the, you know, one of the things you can draw from will be which one of them changed not only more, but in ways that suited them. You don't just change yourself either. You change how the puzzle piece of you fits in with the puzzle piece of him, knowing that his puzzle piece is also changing. Right? Conor McGregor knocked out Cowboy Cerrone with a left head kick. You know how many? Right. You know how many fakes, fake uh, uh, left fakes he had to throw to do that? Zero. Just the one as he threw it. Normally, if I wanted to kick you in the head, I would throw a few, you know, and hide it behind. Like if we take Anthony Pettis and Joe Lozon, I broke that down eight, nine years ago. Uh, Pettis throws them straight a couple of times. And when, when Lozon, you see him parry it, and then the head kick comes behind. Conor threw zeros. You know why? Because his reputation served to get the reaction. His reputation is Connor punched a bunch of people with his left hand for a long time and they fell down. Robin Black called it the Celtic cross and Farad Zahabi called it the touch of death and Joe Rogan said it's the best weapon in the game. And we all built it up because it was true. And mm-hmm. his reputation served so that he needed zero feints to set up that left head kick. Uh, but uh, so how do you change compared to his reputation? if you're, If your guess was when there's a left hand I'll back up He changed, when I throw a left hand, you'll back up, I'll throw a head kick. So we're changing in the dynamic of our relationship to what each other is. And so uh, Poirier and Conor McGregor, your best bet is take no information whatsoever from the first fight. Mm -hmm. If you in any way want to project to this fight. Robin,
1: you are a master. I could listen to you talk about combat talk about life for an hour but i do not want to take up any of your more t- any more of your time thank you so much this has been such a joy this does not feel like work at all for me so thank you so much um i look forward to hearing more of your breakdowns here in the near future i hope we can talk again
0: yeah me too man uh stay in touch you know like three four mm-hmm. five weeks from now let's do it again
1: is there anything you would like to not plug but is there anywhere you want people to go and i can send them to uh see your work
0: Um, I do. I put up one or more breakdowns every day on uh, at Robin Black Martial Arts on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I just started putting stuff up on on TikTok. I'm trying to find ways to make that to find the meaning in these moments in a different way. So I'm experimenting with that. That's at Robin Black Bink. Uh, But uh, but yeah, I just want to keep growing and and learning and changing. And and uh, there is something I'm really interested in right now. It's a it's a it's a, uh, a thousand year old Nigerian um, form of combat called Dambé. And if people wanna check out uh, African Warriors FC, I'm gonna be doing some breakdowns of of uh, this martial art, Dombe, it's fascinating. They have one, this is called the spear and this is called the shield. And they actually have this weight, sort of a, a wrapped weapon and then a protective weapon. And it's really interesting martial art. Uh, but, you know, now for me, learning from all over the world is a key. So, I'm, I'm you know, travel to Myanmar to learn that way and travel to Africa for, for uh, to consume some of the historic African fighting. To me, that's, you know, that's where the secrets for the next four or five years are going to be. But, yeah, I mean, please just check out my stuff and, and if people like it, please share it.
1: I'm a, uh, I'm a history nut as well, so I can
0: understand your appreciation
1: for it. Robin Black, thank you very much. Look forward to talking to you again soon. Yep.
0: This. 1:37 p.m. Own your future. Start this minute. 1:37 p.m. is a Gallery Media Group original production.